Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report Extra Pod I'm Brett Lyons-Davis, as well as looking forward to Saturday's game at MK Dons. We're talking about last night's 2-1 defeat against Fleetwood at the Highbury Stadium in the Papa John's Trophy. And we might even squeeze in a little game of playing away. I'm joined by a couple of exiles. There's uh, John Stacey. John, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Brett, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. I'm very well. Are you, uh, you getting used to this? Uh, the, the second lockdown? Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's the same as normal for me. Nothing's changed. So I'm one of the lucky ones, I think. <laughs> but yeah, everything's good with me. I'm just delighted to be here and be the most northern person involved for a change, which is a bit weird. It is unusual for you, isn't it? Because yeah. you are you are you are an exile, aren't you? But yeah, so you've got you've got me, obviously, and uh, another southerner on board. We've two got dirty southerners. Two dirty. So yeah. So, so apologies for all those listening who hate it when the southerners get involved. So um, you know, <laughs> thank, thanks for like you know downloading it. Turn off now and you know. Catch up with Gav or somebody at the weekend. Um, <laughs> no, we have also got the uh, the ratings man. It's uh, Jimmy Lawson. Jimmy, mm. how you doing? Yeah, good, good. Guilty as charged. Uh, yeah, another another southern twang <laughs> for the podcast. Um, yeah, but I'm very well looking. Looking forward to playing away. I'm looking forward to it. I want to get some points. So, so it is going to be a tough one this week. But I must admit, Jimmy, I'm a little bit disappointed because I was reading your um, ratings yesterday. It, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? It's people either will all massively agree with it or totally disagree with it. And I was going to read out the people that disagreed with you this week. And it seemed that no one disagreed with you. Everyone was on board. So that must be quite unusual. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. I feel like nobody watched last night's game. Like, no traction on social media, positive or negative. Go go to the Gillingham game if you, if you want me to be public enemy number one. A lot of people were angry with me after that one. But yeah, this season, less people at the matches. I'm slightly less hated in Sunderland, so that can only be a good thing. I always disagree with you, Jimmy. I always disagree with your rating, so. Yeah, you do it in private though, John. You're not, you're not hanging me out <laughs> to dry on a... I'm not, I'm not, so, into, so I'm not into tweeting abuse to people, especially those that I like. So, Well, I must, I must admit, Jimmy, I did actually have a look back because I wanted to bring out some of the things that people do say to you. Um, and it's interesting <laughs> where John just said there that, you know, about you know, people who actually like you will also comment. And I was reading through one of the match reports. I think it was Coventry um, at the end of, end of last season. And it's got, you know, the usual things, you know, does he watch the games? He's clueless. Use <laughs> um, insane... You know, if, if I, you know, I actually watching the game was mentioned a few times. And then someone put on their um, Ledbetter 6, who's one of our best players. And then even one of our Roker Port own, Martin Wanless, gets involved. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> and he goes, certainly was, close to man of the match. Some very bizarre comments accompanying the marks there too. So even your mates have a dig. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just pulling that knife out of my back. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, he mm. did. Uh, he put the knife in there to you, mate. Yeah. But so the reason we're here, um, as I say today, so it's uh, talking about last night's uh, defeat first and foremost to Fleetwood. So very quick recap on the game. Madfanson opens the scoring on 15 minutes. It looked a cracking strike, but then the replay showed it did take a slight deflection. Um, so it's his first goal and only the second start for the club. Uh, McKay equalising after the laps of the back where, um, you know, Fleetwood showed how tin pot they are with a, a sea shanty music to accompany the goal. Um, unfortunately, then McFadden does get injured um, just before the, the second goal um, in the actual build-up play, which you know allowed them to sort of make the break. But in the end, we sort of, we 
we played pretty well. The first half, we actually hit the postal bar three times. Um, we did fade, though. Injuries mess it around a little bit at the back. Um, it didn't really matter, though. You know, we are through um, to the knockout stages, and the dream of lifting the Papa John's trophy lives on. Mm. John, what was your general thoughts on yesterday's game? Um, yeah, I, uh, it, I, I agree with the norm, I guess. It was a bit of a nothing game. We knew we were through and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, overall, I think... I hate saying it, but it was a game of two halves, wasn't it? Like the first half was was really good to see, actually. Lots of uh, young players really up for it and showing us stuff that we hadn't really seen recently with um, the last few games, having a bit of, um, I guess, kind of a lack of dynamism and a lack of attacking um, uh, plan B, Cs. It was all kind of the samey stuff we've been seeing the last few weeks. So that was quite nice to see. But yeah, the injuries kind of impacted it. Um, I don't always agree with Mr. Parkinson, but um, when I listened to the post-match uh, presser um, or on the side of the pitch presser, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah, injuries did sort of derail the sort of uh, momentum that we had and probably sort of scuppered a few plans to play a couple of extra players. He was kind of kind of keen to get some more minutes. So yeah, second half was just t- dire really, wasn't it? It was horrible. It was kind of men against boys. Um, we were a bit all over the place and didn't show up, but... All in all, I think it was a, a semi-valid experiment because we saw uh, four or five decent performances in that first half or 60-odd minutes maybe where we could look at those younger players again and think we've got somebody potentially there as a good backup or somebody there that's got a bit of a future with us potentially if we can keep hold of them. So, yeah, I think it was all right in that respect and I wasn't really bothered about getting beat for a change, which is interesting. So, Jimmy, I see you're, uh, you're nodding along then. Are your sort of thoughts echoing John's? Yeah, I think you've nailed it. It was one of those games where performances were more important than result. In the whole, the performances were good. Injuries played a big part. Um, I'm glad John said men against boys because it really did feel like that. Like, without wanting to go bingo on cliches, like, it did feel like Barton went in at half time was like, that's not good enough. The average age of this team is 21, 22. Get at them, put them under pressure. And it's a bit weird. I feel like. If whatever your opinion of the young players were before the game kicked off, both sides have arguments that they're right. If you want to say they're too young and that they're not ready, that they can't deal with the physicality of League One football, you can look at that second half and say, yep, yep, um, that's why Parkinson doesn't play them. But equally, like John said, you can look at the invention. We saw direct passing that we don't often see in the first team. There was the one-two between Embleton and Neil when Embleton hit the post, where you saw quick feet you saw one twos you saw an interchange of passes that we don't see a lot in the first team so it was it was really a game where you saw invention creativity and also effort like Hawks I've got no idea how good he is I've got no idea what he's going to do in men's football but that guy ran his bollocks off like literally from minute one he was just on it so it was it was refreshing to see a team that was fresh was hungry was up for the challenge disappointing the way they couldn't get back into the game at 2-1 but I think that was really where the injuries told because with Willis, we were playing with 10 yeah. men. We were virtually playing with 10 well, men in that second of O'Brien, half. So, nine. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to him later. But yeah, no, it was, it was, a, really, it was a really good performance for, for the 45. And then in the second half, it was understandable that a young team with injury problems faded away. Well, keeping with the positives. So, and I think wait, you said it sort of nail on the head there, when, you know, where people saying chuck all the youngsters in or not. We're never going to chuck. Nine, ten, you know, youngsters into that first team. Anyway, you'd be you'd be mad to do so. But was there anybody, um, Jimmy, last night that you thought, well, do you know what? I would take him. I'd put him in the first team squad for Saturday. Maybe even start him. I think I think Embleton has a real chance of. I think he's a cert for the squad. I think there's no way he's not in the eighteen at the weekend. And I think there's a real chance he starts. Um, we'll get into sort of the first 11s later, but I think there's two players really that played our last game against Ipswich that are in real danger of losing their spot to Embleton at the weekend. And really, they couldn't really complain if he did take it. But I think he's 100% going to be in the squad. One for his set pieces, two for his passing. His passing's different. It's it's the way he sort of looks to feet sometimes. It's his the way he looks for one-twos. He's just a different type of player to what we've got. And I just think, yeah, I think Parkinson would be mad to not put him in the squad. And I think he will. It's whether or not he starts. But to me, he's a dead a dead cert for the squad. 
Diamond or McFadzine, it's hard to say, maybe one of the two, but but Embleton's the one that sort of, yeah, circle it, He's, I think he's definitely in. Yeah, he, he took a lot of plaudits last night, um, Embleton. What I would say though, Jimmy, if um, you were to put him into the first team on Saturday, who would you replace him with? It's To me, it's it's one of two. It's Maguire or Scoen. Wh- which one would you choose? <laughs> I think Scoen's more likely. I think Scoen's more yeah. likely. I, don't, I think that makes more sense as well. I think that makes more sense the way that Embleton likes to cut in the way he's a two-footed player, but I think his left foot's better. I think him coming in off that right-hand side and sort of in a doing a poor man's Jack Grealish <laughs> impression, looking for one-twos, trying to get into half spaces. I think he could have a real amount of success there, and and even 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 replacing Maguire as our second striker, I could also see. But but I think there's a good chance he starts ahead of Scone at the weekend. John, we'll still we'll still get Embleton for now. John, what's your thoughts? I mean, was you were. I don't think you're too impressed with him coming in for Scoen. Uh No, I, I, I like Josh Scoen. I know he's had a bit of a, um, a kind of the last few games he's played, he's not been amazing, but he's had a um, he's had a good start to the season, and he's shown why we probably should have tried him earlier, maybe to the latter stages of the last season, and give him a proper run in the team because him and Ledbetter, I think, have done really well deeper. And I know that you know Jimmy's talking about him playing higher up and being replaced higher up, but I think him and Ledbetter work better together deeper. He does put himself about. Yes, he's small, but he is. Uh, he, he's box to box. He's he's the element that we're missing sometimes with that, with that fitness. And um, so I think them two center in the center, sort of deeper, would work better. Um, and my, you know, I agree with Jimmy with Embleton. I think if he's going to start, he should start. I'd like to see him maybe with Maguire because I think both of them have got that um, ability to sort of unlock lots of doors and kind of look at those passes that not really any other people could find, as well as kind of beating a man and as well as kind of turning the game. Um, my only concern is, obviously, with those two players, you don't have a great deal of pace uh, or strength, really. Um, but obviously, that's where we we trust our wing-backs, really. So I was going to talk about, if you'd come to me on this question, um, the left-wing side of things, the left-wing-back side of things, because if McFadzian's fit... I'd take a big risk, and it isn't a big risk in my head, but I think other people would think so, in starting him ahead of Hume. I think Hume's had a good start to the season, but he's trailed off a little bit the last few games, and he's had his injury issues. And, you know, sticking him on the bench and putting McFadsian in after the last sort of 60 minutes we've seen of McFadsian, you know, I think that's enough. He's played at this level before. I don't I don't think he's the kind of player that is uh, overawed by League One football. You know, he's not like a an 18-year-old lad who's never played against people in this in this sort of uh, level. So I would have him in. I think he shows us something different from that left-hand side. Hume is good and he can do his job, which is not always one-dimensional, but he is limited in what he's great at, I think. Whereas McFadden's shown that he's kind of got two or three two or three ways of playing. You know, he's got a bit of pace. He can turn a man. He likes a shot. Hume never shoots. He's had, you know, in that that sort of game that he started, uh, the Mansfield game, he had two shots in the first 20 minutes. And um, he scored quite a lot of goals in his past, McFadzi. And I think he was, um, I might be wrong here, but he was one of at least at least top scorers of Plymouth when he was there. Um, and um, yeah, I just think he just brings something different and just a bit of sort of uh, fitness and, and 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 sort of like kind of guile, I guess, from the left hand side. Um, so he would be mine. But I also really like the idea of um, of 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 kind of the fact that we don't really have much choice at the back. Um, if younger was fit, and I know that he's injured now, I really liked him last night, and I would he, have. He played. Actually, he played well, didn't he? Yeah, he he looked a cut above, and actually, it was interesting because Feeney looked all right in pre season until he had his injury. And then we're looking at Younger and we're thinking, why is Brandon Taylor getting anywhere near the squad? Do you know what I mean? He's Younger's five, six, seven times times better than Brandon Taylor. You know, ten times is a bit harsh, but but he's a decent player, Younger. And I don't, I would sort of chuck him in the squad at least, Younger. Um, you know, and if you're going to sort of not want to risk him and play Dobson or a nine centre back with the lack of centre backs that we've got, then you know at least he's in the squad. I don't rate Brandon Taylor at all, so that would be my choice. No, he's never really set the world like Brandon Taylor, has he? Whenever he seems to get these games and, and sort of get into the team. But, you know, looking at our defensive woes, and I was going to go sort of move on to it later, but now that you, you sort of brought it up there, this Saturday, we are very, very short at the back. You know, obviously already, you know, definitely out, obviously, for international duty is Flanagan and McLaughlin. You've then got injuries to Feeney, Jamajli, possibly McFadzine, obviously, came off yesterday. I, 
I don't think it was too serious. And then sort of Younger and Dunn also went off. Willis was clearly struggling. There was doubts on Monday about Hume and 09 being in. They haven't trained, but I think obviously realistically they should be in the team. Obviously, we're recording this Wednesday night. So, you know, come Friday during uh, Parkinson's press conference, we'll know a bit more to that when this you know actually goes out. You know, so you really at the moment you're looking at if them if all those were doubts, there's Bailey Wright, Dion Sanderson, and then Brandon Taylor, I think. I don't think anyone else is actually a defender to actually come into the team. So we could be really struggling come Saturday. Jimmy, worst case scenario, what the hell do we do with that defence? I think I think what's likely to happen, judging by what Parkinson said in the immediate post game, is he's gonna chuck Willis onto the pitch and pray that He's had it in his head for two or three weeks that Willis is going to get this injection in his knee after the MK Dons game, that he just needs Jordan to hang in there for this game and that he's going to chuck Willis out and pray that he's fit. I think that's what's most likely to happen is that if Jordan Willis is 60, 65%, we're going to see a hobbled hobbled version of our Colossus out there and he's going to play him. He's going to play him alongside Wright and Sanderson. If, if, like you said, Brett, we do get Doomsday scenario, my guess... My guess is that he goes with 09 again. Now, obviously, 09 had an absolute stinker against Portsmouth. But I think what Parkinson will probably think is, well, that's Portsmouth. They're potentially the best team in the league. They're one of our main rivals. We saw three games of 09 at centre-back where he did well. And also, you look at kind of the build of modern centre-halves. You look at someone like Aaron Cresswell, who was a defensive liability at left-back, who looks transformed at left-centre-back for West Ham. You look at Aspilicueta. There's a lot of people playing centre-back now in back threes that look like Luke 9 So I think if you sort of have a talk with 9 you talk about what went wrong against Portsmouth, what he did right in the other games. I think that's something you'd look at again. I don't hate Brandon Taylor as much as John. I thought... I'd, he's, he's, <laughs> I, I don't think he's ever going to make it at Sunderland. I don't think he's going to ever make it here. But I think maybe we see him on the bench on on Saturday. But he, I mean, he had some really good passes in the game yesterday. But then their equaliser came down his side. He's a bit of a but yeah. And I think most likely we see Luke and I drop into the back three, and then either Gooch or Diamond play right wing back. I think he'd probably punt with Gooch. Then maybe that's that's where um Embleton comes in, like we were talking about earlier in Gooch's spot. Yeah, so it could, it could all kind of work nicely to get Embleton in that team mm. couldn't it but yeah it does seem like our, our back line could be really patched together um yesterday then apart in the injuries was there any other negatives that came out of the game i know john you highlighted o'brien early on um he did have a terrible game didn't he yeah mm. yeah very poor um he you know every time he had the ball anywhere near him it sent, seemed to bounce off him worse than Worse than White did, you know, three or four weeks ago when we were lambasting him for just not being able to control the ball, it looked it looked horrendous. Um, and and I, I was I was kind of watching the game, and 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 one of the opinions I had of Josh Hawks actually was that I agree with what Jimmy was saying; he would not stop running. Um, but he was hindered, I think, by the fact that he had zero support, stroke zero outlet to go to because O'Brien was always positioned wrong. He was always kind of marked or couldn't find any space. And um, he'd always have to go backwards if he had the ball, which he didn't have much often anyway. Um, so my kind of um, yeah, my kind of thoughts on O'Brien, I, I don't know, I really don't know how to word it and how to sort of think about it really because he's just been so poor when he's had his chances recently, and I just think where is that coming from when we're supposed to have bought this championship player that wasn't a winger, wanted to play up top, wanted to play in a ten role, despite the fact he's always played as a winger, and you know. All he's shown is a glimpse of decent quality in a preseason game. Um, other other small negatives, I guess, were just the fitness side of things. I think that they're a young team, aren't they? Young lads, and it was a bit higher paced than probably normal. Um, but I don't really think there was that many other negatives, especially if we're looking at kind of the players who'd be in and around the squad. I think Diamond was a bit out of sorts last night. Probably had a chance to really blow them away and show what he's capable of. But then I don't think Diamond's really gonna set the world alight right now i think he's got talent but i think he needs a bit more consistency a bit a few more games in his under his belt at a higher level in league two obviously he was good and it was kind of sorry not league two in the in the national league he was good and he got helped arrogant get promoted but um that's two leagues below ours you know it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get to up to speed with it so yeah ignoring all the young players because you could sort of give them a buy and say if they weren't very good they you know the young players but they actually did all right um yeah the negatives were 
uh, as we've said, really, um, nothing really else to add from me, I don't think. The one thing I want to add sort of on O'Brien is, and this is something that's been frustrating me the last sort of two weeks for Sunderland in general, is that, okay, he has an absolute stinker against Gillingham. And you think, that's a one-off. This guy's played for Republic of Ireland. We've seen him before. He does have a good first touch. He does have good feet. And you're thinking, right, what's he going to do? He's He's been dropped down to the Papa John's trophy. What's he going to do? Does he have any fire in his belly? Does he have heart? What, what are we going to see from a pissed off Aidan O'Brien? And then you get the opposite. You get a carbon copy of the Gillingham game where he just doesn't look arsed, where his first touch isn't there, where he's not concentrating. And that's been a real frustration with Sunderland in general since the Portsmouth game for me, as you like. Right, how much do these lads want it? Are we going to see a reaction? Are we going to see this team really sort of take the bulls by the horns and show that they want to win promotion. And there's just a few players that seem to be going through the motions at the moment. And I just wanted to highlight that from O'Brien because I think there's maybe a worrying underlying thing going on with some of the players in our squad at the moment where maybe it's the fact they're playing in empty stadiums, maybe it's stuff off the pitch, but we're just not, we're not seeing enough from them really. I'm not sure they want it enough without wanting to be too harsh. And it's just something that's maybe a concern so to look out for in the next few games. I was thinking about this earlier, Jimmy, that after the, um, we lost two, sorry, we beat Ipswich 2-1 last week and it was a poor mm. performance. But if you went onto Twitter and any kind of like, social media, everyone was, was pissed off by the performance. It didn't feel like a win. Um, you take last night's game and as you said, like, I was excited for that game seeing the lineup because I thought this is going to be refreshing. We're going to see something good here. And we did. The first half, was fantastic. It was great to see. And we lost, we lose 2-1, yet like, everyone's positive. Like today, we've all started this podcast in a real positive mood about it because the players gave us something, you know, and I agree totally with you. There's something not quite right with that team at the moment. Yeah. I think if you look at what you've just said there, Brett, you hit the nail on the head. Like the, the people, the general sort of outlook of our team last night was people who wanted to play for the shirt because they're young lads trying to break into the first team. The players on top of O'Brien, that weren't really giving it their all were Dobson and Willis. And you could argue Willis is injured. And Dobson just seemed out of sorts from the start, kind of grew into the game a little bit. But over the last few weeks, I agree with what Jimmy's saying, especially with the Mansfield game, etc., etc. The fringe players that have been given a chance by Parkey, which we weren't expecting, have not shown the desire to win their place into the first team. Now, if there is something else going on, if there's off-the-field stuff, if there's you know, the lack of, like like Jimmy says, lack of fans in the stadium, whatever. I I don't like that, personally. I don't know how anyone else feels about it, but I think, come on, there's no fans in the stadium. I get that, you know, you, subconsciously that's a big deal, but you're a professional footballer. Like, you pay quite a lot of money. I'm, I'm a fan. I've played football, but I'm a fan. And I'm thinking, as a fan, you pay quite a lot of money to try your hardest at your job. You know, like, <laughs> no, like find a way to get motivated. You know, why... I know it's Sunderland and I know people will argue that we're a bit delusional at times or whatever, but surely it's enough to play for us to be up for wanting to win a game and, and when you place back into the team, surely. I mean, we're a professional football team. Yes, we're in League One, but we shouldn't be in League One. A lot of people will agree with that. You know, if we're going to get out of League One, we need people to, we need 15, 16, 17 players who absolutely every week will give their all. We don't need 10, 11 players with five, six, seven people on the fringe who are just going to come in half arse it because they're picking up the wages and can't be arsed. And that's the problem we're going to have going forward because it's a long season as we're talking about now. So if we're happy to go out of all the cups, if we're happy to play the youth in all the cups, and I think Parky's at a point where he's annoyed with all these people, to be fair, all these people who aren't giving it anything, I think then fine, as long as we can keep that 11 fit that we'll potentially try every week. That's my thoughts on it. I just, I'm really disappointed that fringe players aren't giving a go. Maybe again, I, I talk about this on all pods all the time, but God, I think every manager would want that. And I just think we're not having it. And it's quite worrying, especially now we're in League One and we've got highly paid players who are on the fringe, Grig, Dobson, etc. So yeah, it's my thoughts. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but the one, the one thing I'm hoping is a lot of players that have been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and that have barely missed a game for us have had 10 days off now. A lot of them have maybe played 60 minutes in the FA Cup and then got the EFL Cup on. What I'm hoping is we're going to see a refreshed team against MK Dons because you look at the sort of 10 games we've had so far, and there's a lot of good we've seen. There's a lot of good we've seen. We had five games where teams barely had a shot against our goalkeeper. We've had good performances against teams that we expect to be in the top six. 
there's a lot that's gone well. What we have to hope is that against MK Dons, we're going to see 11 motivated guys out there. And it also flips back to Embleton. Maybe having a guy like that in Embleton who's been injured, who had a lost season essentially last year, who's going to have that fire in his belly after a good year at Grimsby, that's going to want to get his career back on track, a guy who's played for England at youth levels, that maybe now we're going to see the real sun, that maybe we're going to see a renewed effort starting on Saturday. That's what I have to hope anyway, because we're still on track for promotion and you've just got to hope that we're going to get back on track. I think the people who you've you've highlighted there as well, the players that are similar to Embleton, there are players in our starting eleven that are playing quite mm. well at the moment that have got a point to prove. You know, Scowan's come down a level, um, you know, Ledbetter's come down a level. Yes, he's aging and he's getting on a bit, but there's players that we've brought in, Bailey Wright, for example, who are playing out their skin, they're doing amazing for us and they're trying hard every week it's because they've got a point to prove that they belong at a higher level and they belong at a higher level with Sunderland. Like, you could argue, and I, I've liked Grigg this season, at the start of the season, and I, I'm a bit upset he hasn't been given more of a chance, but then we're not playing the sort of style and all that argument will come up again. But there's an argument that players like Grigg that are bringing in a big wage and, and don't seem that bothered aren't bothered because they don't think they've got a point to prove. You know, they're just going to carry on with their career forever kind of thing. And Aidan O'Brien, for me, slots into that that category. At the moment, he doesn't look like he cares. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I hope that they'll turn up on Saturday refreshed and up for it. To play devil's advocate, though, regarding um, Grigg and O'Brien. Now, we all know, like, and I do it every week, whenever I've done this pod, I'll always sort of ask a question, like, oh, what's going to be the team on Saturday? And nine out of ten times, we all know who the team's going to be on Saturday. Um, is it more of a case as well that they're getting, you know, they're disillusioned with things at the moment? You know, Grigg had a decent pre-season, decent game against Hull, missed the penalty, and then he's been bombed out for Wyke. Is it now a case where... If I'd score a goal against, uh, you know, in the FA Cup first round, am I going to be playing again the following Saturday in League One? Probably not. Mike's going to be in because, you know, he's won it. Is that, and I'm not saying that's the reason why, but is that just another reason where these players are on the fringe, can't get up for it because Parkinson seems to have, you know, this parky ball, this set way he wants to play. And to be honest, they don't think they're going to get a game anyway. Well, that's an issue that Parky's got to address then, isn't it? Oh, it's like, and, and if he isn't, then I'd be extremely worried. So I hope you're not right in that, <laughs> in a way. Because if I was Parky again, I would be putting my arm around Grig, I'd be talking to Danny Graham and I'd be like, look, Wyke's scoring and he's fitting in well and he's trying hard and he's doing this and this and this. Just need you to be ready. I need you to be up for it. When I give you a chance, you'll get a go sooner or later. Um, and if they're not doing that, um, you know, I've kind of contradicted myself a little bit, really, because the player I've asked the players to be self motivated. But if you're saying there's a there's an element of that because we do know the eleven every week, then yeah, it's down to Parky and his coaching team to go, lads. Like they're not going to play every week. This is a long season. Like be ready because we need you to be ready. And if that's not being said, then we're just naive, and Parky's naive, and everybody else is naive. So yeah, again, well, hope well, you're those, wrong, those, those, those last three games, Greg, Graham, O'Brien, none were ready. Yeah. So they're, they're, yeah, and that mm. just shows how you know. It hopefully, it is somebody like an Embleton who is hungry, who's firing to give. Yeah. Then, then that first eleven. Hopefully, he get like Embleton can kick Maguire up the ass. You know. Yeah. Shit, I need to get. I need to start mm. playing well, and you know, I can't just dip in and out. I need to be on form because I've got this kid behind me who wants to play every single week. Mm. So. Yeah, I'd like to think in the, even on training, he's probably doing that. I mean, a lot of people speak highly of Embleton. A lot of people say that he's got great skill on the training pitch and stuff. So I'd like to think Maguire stood there. Playing alongside him, playing against him in the in the training scenarios, and thinking, yeah, Parky could could like him in this role when he's match fit. Um, I need to up my game, but you just don't know what's going on, dear. And you, and we all certainly don't know what's going on in Parky's mind because, yeah, he's had a static eleven ish over the last few weeks. But um, when it comes to having to make a change, forced into injury changes, we all think you know we know what he's going to do, and then he pulls a pulls a weird one out of nowhere and <laughs> sticks some sticks Luca nine left centre back. But you know, it's kind of one of those things where. Um, we've got to we've got to have faith. We've got to keep the faith, I guess. The only the only other thing I'd add without wanting to go on this for too long is I think it's two different situations with Grig. I think it's very fair to say that he's mentally checked out. We all remember the athletic piece, which is the sort of interview you only give if you think you're going. It's literally like, yeah, the manager doesn't like me. This has been a bit of a nightmare. Well, playing for Wigan was fun. That was that was the cliff notes for me from yeah. that that interview. With O'Brien, he's he's been a pretty consistent player. He's he's come on in a lot of games. I think the only place I have a bit of sympathy with him is I thought his best performance was the Charlton game. It was away at Charlton. He started that game. He linked up well with O'Nine and Scoan. Parky hooks him after 60 minutes and then drops him for the next game. 
So I can see how in his head he thinks, wait a minute, when I play badly, he keeps picking me. When I play well, he he, he drops me. It's like, what, what's going on here? So I think, yeah, I think you boys nailed it, that there's there's a lot going on. And maybe Parkinson's an old school manager isn't the best at keeping 23 motivated. Maybe he's got 11, 14 very motivated players and another six or seven that he's just not kept on side. Well, after all that, though, let's have a look then at the weekend's game. So we're playing, obviously, my local team, the MK Dons. They were heading up to Sunderland. Um, now, form-wise, they beat Stuart Donald's very own Eastleigh 4-0 in the FA Cup at the weekend. Um, their previous five before that, um, they've been unbeaten in the last three, which was uh, draws against Northampton, AFC Wimbledon, um, and then a 2-0 win over Wigan. And then before that, they lost to um, Blackpool and Oxford, and they see themselves in 19th place. Jimmy, what are your thoughts um, on what the MK Dons are going to bring on Saturday? They're another team. I, I don't want to sound like a broken record because the last time I was previewing a game was Rochdale and they're very similar to Rochdale in that they're a team that loves passing without going anywhere a <laughs> lot. I think if, if, if we want to keep going with the cliches, they're good in the middle of the pitch <laughs> and bad in both penalty boxes. <laughs> like I'm sure you were at the game back in February, Brett, where... We couldn't get a kick for, for 45 yeah. minutes against them. But they had like two they, they, shots they, they, they in that They had nothing half. at all. They had nothing at all going yeah, forward. Yeah, but they never looked like scoring. Right. And then obviously we we pressed them a bit. Just about did enough to justify winning it. But yeah, they've rookie manager in a relegation scrap. It's it's one way you think three points. You have to think three points. You can't points. think anything else. There might be large spells where we don't see the ball. They do have some good technical players, but since we last played them, they lost their best player at Charlton. And yes, yeah, it's, it's just another one where we have to have to be thinking three points. John, yourself, were you uh, expecting of them on Saturday? Yeah, I think you took the words right out of my mouth, Jimmy. You've got to expect three points, but the only thing I'll add to that is, you know, we always think that we play against these teams and we look at them on paper and we look at their form and we think, yeah, it's an easy win. But then we make it difficult for ourselves for whatever reason. And I'm not going to sort of, um, kind of rub my crystal ball and work out the reason why we're going to make it difficult for ourselves this weekend and hopefully we won't but uh, yeah they've got some trouble troubling players potentially you know defensively if we've in- injury struck and we, we're sort of fighting to get a decent back three back five you know Cameron Jerome he's an experienced player um, he scored a couple recently he's the sort of um, player that scores against us as well Cameron Jerome yeah, those, those yeah. crap hmm. players that seem to always pop up with goals <laughs> <laughs> yeah when I saw Cameron Jerome had gone there and I saw that we were playing them this week and I was doing the pod I was thinking oh, this, is, this isn't going to work well um, and also was it Scott Fraser that we were linked with was that the yeah. Scott Fraser? He's, we he's, got, he's yeah. got three three goals from this season so far. So that so that's got another one, hasn't it? That's like, yeah, we were linked with him, so he's probably going to tear us apart. Um, but no, I think apart from that, they've got a they're they're similar to us. They've got a, well, they're not similar to us. That was that's the wrong start start of that sentence. But they've got they've got a couple of experienced heads at the back. They've got Richard Keogh and Dean Lewington, and they've got um, and and you know if we can get if we can get a bit of pace and trickery around there if Embleton starts maybe we've got a way in there to beat that kind of older head but um no I, I I echo what Jimmy said I just it it should be three points it should be a win and 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 if we uh collectively pull our heads out of our asses we should easily win it so Jimmy who is Phil Parkinson going to start then on Saturday right so I think there's somewhere between 5 to 7 dead sets so our spine's definitely going to be Burge Wright, Ledbitter, Wyke. We're, we'll work on the assumption that Willis is fit and say that the back three is going to be Willis, Sanderson, Wright, like we talked about before. I think he starts human 09. Maybe McFadzine would have stood a chance had he not pulled up injured in the, mm-hmm. in the Fleetwood game. I think he would have stood a chance. Now, who are the three players playing in behind Wyke? Now, that's where it gets tricky because against Ipswich, we had... Scoen, Maguire and Gooch. Scoen had a stinker. Power started in his place in the FA Cup, had a stinker. <laughs> so that's my <laughs> that's my Embleton spot. That's my uh, Elliot Embleton spot. I think Gooch stays in the yep. team and I'll, yeah, I'll say Maguire stays in as well. Yeah. I can't really um, argue too much with that. I think, I think my only argument will be, I don't, if he's going to throw Willis in, I don't think he'll play Willis left centre-back. I think he's he's you know he, he likes to pick, stick people to their positions if they're absolutely certain in positions. So I don't know. He'll either play Sanderson or Willis right centre back, and I think he'll play a nine left centre back, and then I think he'll play Diamond right wing back regardless or Gooch. So then I think it will free up 
areas within the sort of middle there um, for for Embleton and others in that respect. Um, I, I, I I've got a soft spot for Josh Gow, and I think he should play. Um, I don't rate Maguire at the moment, uh, but then he's our talisman, he's our king, isn't he? So you've kind of, if we're bereft of options up there to sort of sort of unlock the unlock the doors, and Embleton's just had ninety minutes, do we risk him, etc.? Yeah, Maguire's kind of got to play. So yeah, I don't know really whether I've even I've probably named about thirteen. I, I, players I don't have a clue what your first eleven is, Johnny. <laughs> no, <I'm> honest. <laughs> no. My first eleven's basically Jimmy's with a few disagreements that I'm not really sure on myself. So there you go. How do we feel about the left centre back thing? Because it's it's a real problem with Leisha Magic's injury. Yeah. That all of a sudden, whoever we play there is going to be really awkward. I mean, Flanagan's awkward there, and he's our first choice. Yeah, but Flanagan, it's that age-old thing, isn't it? The age-old thing that we've been talking about with Wyke and other players. A run of games and Flanagan's consistent in that position. He's 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 got it. He makes the odd mistake. He was a horrendous a couple of weeks ago. But I think you can trust him in that position. He's not there to this week. Um, you know, I would play Willis there, like you said. I would play Willis there, Sanderson right, centre back. I don't fully rate Sanderson. I think he played okay. You know the last last couple of chances he's had. I don't haven't seen enough of him to really think that he's quality. But we we haven't got many options, and I'm reluctant to say as you are. I'm reluctant to say yeah yeah. Let's just chuck you know Dobson in or Ryan in left centre back because it'll be fine. You know actually we should probably like do exactly what you said. Sanderson on the right, Willis on the left, and Willis Willis should be able to do it. He's a cultured player. He should be able to play in the left centre back role. Um, but I you know my, my point I was trying to make was. Parky can sometimes be very much a stickler of you've played five games in that exact position you're not playing out of that mm. position for a while and it's like well I'm capable of it do you know what I mean like Willis is quite an adaptable defender but yeah I don't know I don't know I think you're right Jimmy to be fair I think you'll play Willis and Sanderson he's got to they're the probably probably the main options we've got without looking a bit too scary at the back I think something we have to mention we've got we've gone almost 40 minutes without mentioning him is Dan Neal and this was something I wanted to bring up. I think his big heartbreak is that him and Embleton are fighting for the same spot. And I think a lot of people are going to look at Twitter or look on the Sunderland website at two o'clock and expect to see both of them in the squad. And I think they're both fighting for the same spot. I think I disagree. I don't think he's fi- I don't think he's an Embleton um, behind the front man kind of player. I think he's he's Ledbetter incarnate. He's the new Ledbetter. When, yeah, I, I'd agree with John there actually. Yeah, when Ledbetter finally packs it up, or when Neil starts to to really be able to stretch games and stuff, and have that intelligence, probably learning from Ledbetter. I think he is a a, a deeper centre midfielder um, that would that would be an exceptional foil for a decent defensive midfielder or a box to box midfielder. You know, so yeah, I think. He can play there. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, he can play where Embleton plays. He can play a number ten role. I think he's a deeper player. He's, yesterday, um, he didn't have a great game, and that's probably why we've not talked about it because he didn't really stand out. But what I did see of him yesterday was when he was dropping deeper or when he did get on the ball, his surveying of the pitch and kind of looking around and and ordering and instructing players to find the gaps and look for those gaps. He's he's got that about him naturally, and we've spoken about it before, but. Um, I really do think Parky and others are probably thinking he's led better, but he's just a bit too raw. He's a bit sort of young and and kind of led better as playing great at the moment. So why take him out? Um, yeah, that's my my thoughts on him. Could you play both? Could you play both here, Neil and Ledbetter and and, and drop a Mac, drop Max Power? No, for me that's too. It's not too attacking because they're not playing higher up the pitch, but it's too like weak. There's no sort of if. if- if we had a full set, like obviously I'm not saying so much for Saturday, but if we had our first choice centre backs playing like the three centre backs plus them too, is that not an option? No, I think you still need. It's not about protecting the centre backs. I think you still need somebody who is put themselves about um, and kind of, I guess, kind of doing doing the legwork, the hard stuff, the sort of cliched. <laughs> we keep saying cliches. But the sort of um, the, the graft, you know, the sort of like nitty gritty because Ledbetter doesn't, you know, he gets about, he tries to get about, but he's about getting on the ball and changing the game and changing the direction. And you can't have two of them. I think they're getting each other's way a bit. Um, well, I've, I've certainly seen that in other teams that try and have two of them. Um, who was it recently that I was looking at? So so I was talking to a mate of mine who works for MUTV and he was talking about Fred and Pogba and Fred and Pogba can't play together. They're too similar. Um, so you'll notice that McTominay comes in when Fred's on form, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's true. Like you look at it, and they, whenever they play together, they both play poorly. 
it's like you've got to have somebody that contrasts in style, I think, in that centre midfield berth. So I do think that uh, he's got some quality, but while Ledbetter's flying, I don't think he's going to get a look in. He's just he's in that role for me. My yeah, my theory where I slightly differ is I think last night obviously he was playing the Ledbetter role. Really good at those little 30 yarders over the fullback. Like he played two or three brilliant ones of them. Is every other time I've seen him, he's been more of an eight, he's been more of an inside forward. So I'm wondering if Parkinson thinks, like you said, that he doesn't have the defensive side to play as that deepest line midfielder that, that Ledbit has done so well, that Dobson's done so badly. My thinking is that he doesn't think that Neil's physically ready for that role and that he sees him more as an attacking midfielder in the mould of Embleton. So I think if he is going to come on for the first team, it is more likely to be further forwards. So, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Powers assert for that bench. I, I'd be really surprised if he started on Saturday, just, just based off his recent form. But I also think he's he's too big a name to drop, I think. I think O'Brien and Dobson have had it. I don't think they're going to be in the squad. But even with those players missing, I think that Dan Neal's not, name's not going to be there on a Saturday. And it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is to that, what the fallout the is. Mm. Yeah, there'll be some fume because... Obviously, he's got a lot of people in this corner. I think a lot of people have got to realise that he is still very young. He hasn't had many chances, and he'll get chances. He's talented. I think there's an element of playing a waiting game. He isn't going to change our season. I don't think he's a game-changing, season-changing player. Embleton potentially will be. Embleton's arguably played at this level, arguably got the quality at this level, um, and older. Um, so, yeah, I think people need to lay off the Dan Neal hate, hate game when he's not in the squad because... You know, potentially, and this might be a talking point you're going to bring up, Brett, unless we've rambled on too much, but potentially Neil could do with a loan, maybe in a League Two club. But um, that's my opinion. Well, that has been said, hasn't it? That, you know, could if, if Parkinson's not going to be playing him in the first team, why not send him out on loan for even a short-term loan, yeah. you know, end of the year, let him build himself up a little bit more, get some first-team football in him. It could be a, definitely be an option. Yeah, for sure. I think him and a few others are prime for it, but then you don't know really because... You don't know about injuries. You don't know how we can play. You can't recall loans unless it's in a transfer window anymore. So, yeah, you 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 run a bit of a risk. And he is on the fringe, but then is he stagnated on the fringe? But then, in my argument of my own little comment there, is he's still very young. So it's not the problem to leave him on the fringe and not play him. He's still very young. So I don't know. It's a hard one. Either way, come two p.m. on Saturday, Phil Parkinson's going to upset some people with his team selection. So yeah. That, that's 2pm. What's the score going to be at 4.45 then? <laughs> I'll go 1-0. 1-0 Sunderland. Yeah, Parky special. John? Yeah, I, I, I'll hope for 1-0. Um, yeah, 1-0. I'm not, I'm not going to jinx it by saying anything else. All right, two 1-0s there. So we have got a little bit of time. So let's uh, play a little game of ours, playing away. Now, if you've never heard it before, I pick a game using the very helpful thestatcap.co.uk and it's up to the lads to guess our starting lineup. They have two lives. Um, if the guest was not playing, they lose a life. If he's on the bench and comes on, they can guess again. Now, Sunderland have never lost to the MK Dons. Touch wood, I'm not, you know, eating my words come uh, Saturday evening. Um, we've never lost to them, but we came very, very close in 2013. Oh, no. As a Paolo oh. Di Canio team goes two goals down in the, in the League Cup second round. 78 minutes we were still losing 2-0 before we came back to make it 4-2 to spare the oh. blushes and head on to Wembley. I remember this game. So, Jimmy, you can go first on this one. So it is Sunderland 4, Milton Keynes Dons 2 on the 27th of August 2013. Paolo Di Canio is our manager. Um, we've got our, our Bidvest was our Bidvest was our sponsor. So we'll try and give you a couple of clues if I can. Uh, Jimmy, where do you want to start on this one? I remember this game. I didn't watch it, but I remember it because one of my mates who's a Chelsea fan was like, watch out for Bamford, watch out for Bamford. And they scored. And it's just ironic that all of a sudden he's he's finally come of age. Um, I'm stalling. I'm going to really struggle here because this is, yeah, this is tough. I'm going to go Pantillimon and goal. Unfortunately, you're wrong straight away. Pantillimon wasn't oh, in goal that day. I said it's one of those ones where this could be a really hard one, a really easy one. Um, and so <laughs> I, I remember this game all too well. Obviously, we're 2-0 down to my local team and I'm getting texts and text abuse um, thinking we're going to lose mm. it. So, um, John, where do you What's fancy going on this one? Well, this is the thing you see. I think I know one of the subs who came on and scored. So if he's a sub, then I'll just get another go, yeah? So I'll yeah. risk it and say Connor Wickham. 
Connor Wickham. So he came up. He, did yeah, he sorry, he did score two. He came off, came off the bench. I think we talked about this the other day, or not the other day, months ago in one of our quizzes. So I think I'm trying to remember back. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he, he, came, he came off the bench. You get a go again, John. In that case, I'll try for the keeper. And if it's not Pantillamon, <laughs> it's uh, got to be Manone. This was... It's got to be Manone. And he was actually making his debut that day. Oh, thank God for that. Jeez. So, that was Manone, very high pitched. It... Oh. <laughs> it passes back to you, Jimmy. Right. Now, Di Canio wasn't a fan of this guy, which makes me think that he might have played him in this game because he didn't give a shit about this game. I'm going to... I'm going to risk going up in flames and going 0 and 2 and say John O'Shea. John O'Shea is always the safe bet, I reckon, on this because yeah. yeah, he's in. I think it, it, good it was, stuff. He's always in and around it, so yeah, always always say John O'Shea. I think if you're struggling, <laughs> John, straight back at you. Are we allowed to say he who shall not be named? Because I feel yeah, like he might. Yeah, be in you, you can do. Did he play? Yep, yeah, he is in there, and yeah, he, sco- he scored. Did he score? Yeah, he did score. Still, a, still a dickhead, but. That's concerning because I was working on the assumption that this is the reserve team of a really bad Sunday <laughs> team. But now I'm not even sure it's the reserve team of a really bad Sun team. I'm stuck. Um, now, because this, because there are two players that are in the doghouse with the Canio, I'm going to go with the other guy who played that position. I'm going to go a bit left field, a bit, a bit Niall Bromley, a guy who's actually had a really good career since leaving Sunderland, who I liked. Um, Andre Schluska was he right back? <laughs> he was, and I'm glad you said yeah. his name. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna punt for him because he was one of my favourite players when he was at Sunderland. Yeah. He was a cult hero. The, in my the, the bar photo. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, he was in the team. John, back to you. So you're slowly picking your way through these. Yeah, I'm worrying now because beyond Schluska, I'm struggling. <laughs> um, oh God. Um, right, I'm gonna take a wild punt. Um, uh, Josie Altador. Josie Altador mm. was there, and believe it or not, Josie Altador scored. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! Got all the goal think, scorers already. I think I think that was Altador's one of only two goals he scored for us. Jesus Christ! It memory wow. serves me serves, serves me right. Another so, another poor lad. Back to you, Jimmy. So Di Canio loved four four two, and we know Wickham came off the bench, and we know Josie started. So there's there's two players there's two players that might start alongside him. Do I go for the one he loved who was terrible, or do do I go for the guy who was good that he hated? <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try our beloved one and only G. Oh, G Dong Won was there. He played. Yeah, and oh. I, if, if, I think oh. now there was. I, I might be wrong with him. I don't think I am though. There, there was a problem with his registration or something, and we very like we could at one point have got kicked out of the tournament. Be it. Although we were quite late into the tournament, there was some issues with his registration. Um, but yeah, 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 because we nearly had a points a, deduction, yeah. and then obviously it looked like we were going to finish twentieth anyway. So no <laughs> yeah, one cared. That, that, and all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we stay up and just screw everyone over. So yeah, he played. So so far we had Manone, Saliska, uh, O'Shea, Adam Johnson, Josie Altador, G Dong Wom. It was Connor Wickham. Um, right, I'm going to go with. Seb Larson. Oh no, that was that was my next one. You can go again because he came off the bench. Oh, did he? Oh Jesus! Yep. Ooh, I can't remember a game where he's ever where he's ever been on the bench. I think he always started for me in that season, but maybe it was because it was an MK Dons game. In that case, I'm gonna who played centre mid then? Jesus, hey, uh, did I haven't lost any? I haven't lost any lives yet. You have not lost any lives. No, Jimmy's lost one. Uh, what was what was the date on this game? Sorry, I'll, I'll stop. Twenty twenty seventh of August, two thousand and thirteen. Oh, early in the season. Mm. Then. Um, I'll that's I'll mm. go with David Vaughan then. David Vaughan's there, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Wow, what that. left field show. David Vaughan is. I was there. trying to think of I was trying to think of fringe centre midfielders who played a bit but didn't always play, and I thought it's got to be one of them. Yeah, I've got a few others in mind now as well. So I've got. Three names in my head for that of a centre back slot. <laughs> I've completely blanked on left backs, so I don't know. I, I don't know who to risk for that other central midfield You're spot. Have to pick someone, Jimmy. Two of, my, <laughs> two of two of our best players that season. I'm not sure if they'd have been been there from their loan on time. So I'm, I'm honestly, my brain's going in ten different directions here. I'm gonna I'm gonna punt for Craig Gardner because you said David Vaughan, and those two are synonymous for me. And I think that could be me going up in flames. Going up in flames, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, yes. brutal. 
<laughs> so Brutal. you are out, John. You do need to get. So as it stands, you've got you oh, got yeah. two points. You need to get this one to guarantee your two points. But I've got two um, goes really. Or, or, got you, a life. or you can or you can end up on one point to you know take it with one. Um, right. I'll have, a, the board. I'll have a guess. I think as soon as Jimmy said he's struggling for a left back, I think this was a game that Jack Colback played left back. Jack Colback played left back. <laughs> oh wow! Get in. Oh, okay, get in there. So you've you've taken it with two points. Then, um, do you want to fancy little stabs at the others, or do you want to uh, put you out your misery? Yeah, yeah. I've got some left left field guesses that I was never going to say, but might be right. Um, I think this was a game he tried El Hadjibar or Cabral in centre midfield. Cabral pay, played. El Hadjibar was on the bench. Yeah, and then I also think this is one of the rare games we saw uh, Moberg Carlson, if I remember rightly. He made his debut, Moberg yes. Carlson. Oh wow! I never would have said I remember him. this never game so vividly, and I never remember games really vividly. <laughs> and then there's, um, there's one, there's one player left. Who, who, who do you fancy it? having a go? You got one, one guess. Where each. is it? What position is it? What position? Is it centre back? The, the centre back. Uh, Queller. He no? was on. He was on the bench. GKA Roberge. Roberge, yeah, Roberge. That was your team. So Manone, Seleska, Colback, Cabral, O'Shea, Roberge, Johnson, Vaughan, Outerdoor, G. Moberg Carlson. That was your team that beat MK Dons four two in the League this is Cup. Gonna, this is going to sound re- this is going to sound really sad, but did Mavrias come on? Because I remember Mavrias coming on. He was like a favourite of mine in in Football Manager mm-hmm. in that season. He did rapid on. He FIFA. did. He came yeah. on for uh, Moberg Carlson. Proper rapid player. Mm. It's a shame he didn't take off for us because on all the <laughs> on all the digital fake platforms, he was always he always had loads of potential. So, mm. John, you've got two points. That puts you, I think, about <laughs> second place on the leaderboard. Um, yeah, wicked. So, well done to that. And that's us done. So, John, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, congratulations on your win. Oh, thank you very much, Brett. <laughs> and thank you, Jimmy, for being so gracious in defeat and struggling to remember anything from 2013 when you were probably about 11 years old. This is it. This is it. <laughs> Licking my wounds. Yeah. Tough, tough days of it. Yeah. Tough days in primary school. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on board, Jimmy. So... If you enjoyed that, obviously sub- subscribe, uh, Acast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, apparently Amazon as well. I don't really understand that because I'm old and I don't get, <laughs> get this sort of thing. So, um, yeah, subscribe. If you want to leave a review, five stars, always very welcome. Um, don't leave one. That's shit. Um, but no, thank you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. See you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.